1999 Steve Sherman image shows Australian world title contender Taj Burrow squatting in a junkyard dressed as the Road Warrior. A 1997 shot, taken in a French hotel room, has four-time world champion Lisa Anderson standing by an open window wrapped in a sheet and holding a glass of red wine. They trust me, said Steve Sherman, when asked how he's able to get the sport's biggest names to follow his artistic lead. Plus, I work quickly, he said. Steve Sherman and I go back roughly 37 years, living in Del Mar, California and attending Torrey Pines High School together in the early 80s. Steve is a photojournalist with a unique eye and aesthetic, giving all of us special access to cultural spheres and personal realms that we would otherwise not be allowed in. Think Annie Leibovitz. Intimate portraits, candid moments, surf celebrities. But he also shoots other subcultures, music and skateboarding among them. Here's a partial pull from Matt Warshaw's Encyclopedia of Surfing entry on Steve Sherman. I think it provides fine context for our discussion. Begin quote. Durable diplomatic surf photographer from North San Diego County, California. Sherman was born in 1963 and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, moved with his family to San Diego at age 10 and began surfing at 12. The following year, as an assignment for an 8th grade photography class, he used a hand-me-down camera to shoot a local skateboard contest. Sherman himself was a pro skateboarder in his teen years. Steve was influenced, he later said, by the gritty black-and-white skateboarder magazine images taken by Craig Stesick. Sherman was the darkroom developer for Transworld Skateboarding in the late 1980s, then directed a pair of films for the Powell Peralta Skateboard Company. In the early 1990s, he contributed photos to Beach Culture magazine, then began freelancing for surfing and Transworld Surf. From 2004 to 2007, Sherman was surfing's photo editor. The Boardroom Podcast with Steve Sherman. Let us begin. So let's okay. Ahead. Welcome, everybody, to The Boardroom Show. I'm your host, Scott Bass. I'm joined by my friend, Steve Sherman, photojournalist, professional photographer who has been traveling and following pro surfing for, I'm going to say, three decades. Steve, welcome. And am I right on the timing there? Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah, actually. Yeah, because I was thinking, um, I dug my archives and I found a shot I'd taken of Kelly Slater in 93 at a U.S. Open. So technically, that's a long time. Very long time. We're, we're getting old. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here just to get things going, which sure. is what I like to do. Who's the greatest? No, what is the greatest rock and roll double album ever? Um, take your time. Well, Cheap Trick Leva Budokan, I think, was a double album. Was it possibly? Um, <laughs> I know the best triple album was Sam and Easton by The Clash. I know the double albums are – God, I thought – oh, man. Because you know I love my rock and roll. Um, I've got one I'm going to say, and you're probably – I'm uh, going to let you go. But I'm okay. gonna, I've got one I'm going to say after you go, and you're going to go, oh, shit. Okay. And I think – no, you go. What, what's your greatest double album? I can't think I – mean, all my albums are like 
It's a, it was a triple album by The Clash. <laughs> yeah, they, they, San, it might have been four albums. The Clash, they they did this album called Sandinista that they released everything they recorded in the studio from one summer, and it was dubs, remixes. It's a brilliant album. It's cutting edge, but it was four albums. You imagine as a kid, I picked this thing up, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah, could you st- just get a yeah. little closer? There? Okay, so, well, I know you're a Clash guy. That's, that's yeah. a given. And, and did they make an, a double album like... Um, Market class, live market class. What am I no. thinking? Double. What's that cl- market class? Yeah, those Is that were a double albums. No, those weren't double albums. They. Um, okay, double album. Give me a, you're the greatest double. I, album. I, 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 can't I think, think you already did. It's cheap trick live at Bootconner. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer because I love that record. Okay. It's, it's that's totally blows me away. Like I wouldn't think that that would be. I, well, I'm I'm a big cheap trick fan, and and first thing that comes to my mind, I want you to want me. Right. There is there a better recorded live song. Than that, and you know, dun, 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 yeah, there is. Because- <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know. I, I just love cheap tricks. So no, I'm, I'm Rick Nielsen. I know. So I'm, who, who, give me. A, well, wait. I'm going to throw one at you that yeah. I think you, I know you appreciate, okay. and I'm going to say Quadrophenia by the Who. Oh yeah, that would, that would definitely be, and that album is one of my favorite albums too. It's a rock opera. Yeah, and it's just it was written so well. Um, I'm a big Pete Townsend fan. I've read a lot of biographies on him, mm-hmm. and I, I just think it's brilliant. Yeah. Okay, so the, my next question was... And I, and I have a bunch of targets on my boards lately. I'm, I'm, that's funny you say that. I've been painting red and mod targets on my boards. <laughs> well, one of my... You know how you have random childhood memories? And one of my random childhood memories is seeing you at the La Paloma while I was at a screening of Quadrophenia. And you were with, you know, whoever you were with, like Mike Jenks or somebody. Yep. And there was a scene. There was a crew. And there was... And I think you and I have talked about this. There was bottles rolling down the aisles. And yes. And so I, I thought maybe Quadrophenia would be well, true yeah, for you. And I guarantee you I was wearing a parka with a, tar- with a target on my back. You were. Yeah. We re- I was really – when I was in high school, we really got into Quadrophenia, the album and the movie. Yeah. And we all just started emulating mod culture. And so we just thought it was cool wearing you know, a little dress up with, with the target thing, with the British you know, target thing was a really cool part of my life. And so even to this day, like – you know. I still put targets on my stuff for some reason. Well, um, that's why a cheap trick blows me away because a cheap trick back in high school, those were kind of polar opposites, cheap trick and mods, so to speak. Yeah, but I was, um, I was, I've always been a rock and roll fan. Yeah. And, and cheap trick, I just think is one of the greatest rock and roll bands of the United States. They're, they're like, they're like Pearl Jam or something like that. And those, and everyone, they're, maybe they're, they aren't really appreciated, no. but, but God, they are just, Rob and Xander, I, I've seen him probably you know ten times. I saw him at the Belly Up, and he still sings just as good, if not better. Yeah. So I don't know. That's is the one. Clash rock and roll? I mean, isn't it all rock and roll? It's all rock and roll. Yeah. The Clash I, is rock and roll. Yeah. The rock. Yeah. For, that you, you can find that as rock. Rolling Stones, rock and roll. Yeah. Some rap is rock and roll. Some rap is rock and roll, right? And like Aerosmith. And, <laughs> yeah. No, I just love. I know, we're talking about music because the music is my muse. That's what really drives me. What's the greatest live album? You've sort of answered this. Yeah. The greatest uh, live album is Live at Budokan. You've conquered this qu- two questions <laughs> with one answer. Yeah. That's um, – it's – I mean, it is kind of a random one too, but I think how beautiful it was was uh, Frampton comes alive for the hits off that. And You're some, just a hippie. <laughs> well, well, I'm old enough and I grew up in the 70s and I listened I to a lot of rock and roll and, yeah. and – um, and I, I rode the school bus in seventh grade and heard, um, you know, every time I drive down South Sierra, I think of hearing Thin Lizzy. 
right. in my mind on the bus. That's random. And, yeah. and, and that's one of those random things. And it's funny how music, you hear a song on the radio, oh my God, I remember what I was doing with that exact time when I first heard that song. Yeah. Um, music yeah. has that way about it, huh? Captures a moment in time for you. All right. Well, that's how I like to open it up to kind of like get your guard down a little bit. Um, I'm going to suggest to the people listening that you're sort of known for your behind the scenes, candid photography and the stuff you produce helps to bring fans access to unique moments. Is that a fair assumption, a fair characterization of what you do? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it's um, one of my strengths. Um, As I said, you know, I've, 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 always been a photojournalist. I did that in high school and, it, and I worked on school papers and stuff like that. So, and my father was a photojournalist when he was like in high school and college too. So, um, I think I had that DNA, uh, it, and it, I always use this sniper analogy. It's like, it's like being a sniper with a loaded gun. You have to wait until the moment is there and then you see it and you shoot it. And with, with a camera, you have a two fiftieth of a second. And that, that moment's gone. You know, it's yeah. just the, the decisive moment as Henry Cartier-Bresson, the French famous French photographer. And there's something about that. And sometimes when I see my photos and I see the guys I shoot with all day, I go, I, go, I found different moments. Yeah. And it's just the way you see things, I think. Yeah. Well, a great example of what you're talking about is, is the iconic image that you captured between Andy Irons and Kelly Slater in 2003 at the, at the Red Bull house. <laughs> I believe Andy was staying there. Maybe describe for the people, you and I have talked about this moment, and mm-hmm. I know you've talked about it. Uh, you get asked about this a lot, so I yeah. apologize. But No, it's, it, everyone asks the same. It's, if it's, you could give us some backstory yeah. about that and, and how that image was captured, and maybe describe the image a little bit to the listeners. Not everybody perhaps yeah. has seen it. Well, I'll start off with it. Um, at this point in the, in the World Title Race, Andy and Kelly were neck and neck. And, who, and whoever won was going to win the World Title Whoever <clears throat> Placed ahead at the Pipeline Masters was going to be the world champ. So um, at that year, every time the North Shore, I go from house to house in the morning and go by and have coffee at everyone's house. I'm allowed, I have a good thing. I'm friends with everyone. So I walk into the, then the Red Bull house where, unknown to me, Mick Fanning is, is hanging off in a corner and a bunch of guys are all having coffee. So I come in and Andy offers me a cup of coffee and he's on his computer. So I'm just drinking coffee and I have my camera with 3,200 high-speed black-and-white film. Just happened to have it. It's really dark in this house. So all of a sudden, the door knocks, and I look over, and there's Kelly knocking on Andy's door. And why is that? Why is that random? Why is that odd? Why is that not a Well, because at that point, I think they've always had a love-hate relationship. That was definitely in the hate part of the relationship. So the last person I would expect to be coming up to Andy's door was that. So, And I look at Kelly, and he's wearing a golf shirt, like he's dressed up to go golfing. And he, he knocks on the door and he comes in, and Andy's right next to him on a computer. And tensions are high. You can feel Oh, my God. The, there, was, there must have been eight people in the house, and you could hear a pin drop. It got silent. And I just couldn't believe it. And I, so I see Andy walk. Kelly walks in the door, and he, and he looks at Andy. And he's all, is Damien here? And Andy looks like, Damien doesn't live here. And Kelly goes, oh. So then Kelly does this weird, like, a lap around the living room like he's just checking things out. So so right before he did this, this I picked my camera up, and I saw Kelly. He sits right next to Andy. He stands next to Andy. I went click, click, and then I put it down. Took two frames. So Kelly goes, oh, I guess Damien's not here. <laughs> and, I, and everyone goes, 
looks like everyone's jaws dropped. And then he walks out the door and the whole, and Andy just goes, what the fuck was that? Oh my God. He, and everyone starts laughing. And Andy just starts going into this rave about what was he doing here? And I'm like, and he looks at me and then Andy looks at me and I'm all, Hey bro, I have no idea. That was weird. I got a photo of it though. And so, and the whole house was cracking up. So then, um, and Kelly just walked out and, um, I did, I thought it was an important image, but then when I got home, cause I had to wait till I got home and then I had to develop it in my dark room. Then I had to print it. When I saw the image, it, um, it just became a really important image. I thought, because I think Kelly was playing a little mind game with Andy but he had a good story why he was there. And so Kelly won't admit it, but sometimes I've seen him tell a story where he smiles. <laughs> but, um, but later on I heard, because there was a, there was a from Surfline, there was a, a Champs Forum about six years ago, mm-hmm. and Mick was there. And um, Damien Hawk, no, it was like, and it, it was Kelly, and, and they were there. And then Mick goes, goes, Kelly, Andy thought you and Sherman set him up for that. <laughs> And I didn't even know this. And he's like, he's like, you're kidding. And Kelly goes, you're kidding me. No, he was convinced that you and Sherman set that up for that photo. And it was so fun. I was like, Andy had never said that to me. And I think part of it was that Andy's, we've always had a really nice relationship. He snapped on me before, trust me. But yeah. I think he just didn't want to say that to me. Yeah. But anyway, so Kelly was blown away to hear that. That was a little insight to that thing that I didn't even know about. Huh. So anyway, and then we ran it in Transworld as a two-page spread. Yeah. And um, then here's the funny. So then that was out in like, that's probably out in January, right? When magazine yeah, came out. Yeah. So I'm in Queensland in March. Yeah. Next March, and I go to the Monroe's house with good friends of mine. Kelly staying there. And first, I haven't seen Kelly since that moment. He's like, "Hey, Sharon, can I talk to you for a second? And I go, Uh-oh. "I go, yeah." So he pulls me out of the pool. He's like, "Why did you tell the guys at Transworld that I was trying to psych out Andy? Because on the cap and the caption uh, they wrote that." Right. And I said, "Listen, I didn't say that. I I just gave him the photo." And said so what happened, and everyone inferred that you were psyching him out. And I, I got to tell you, though, Andy was convinced. Yeah. He freaked out. And, and then Kelly talked to me and goes, okay, that's cool. And then we made up. That was the only, that's one of the only times Andy, I mean, Kelly had ever really confronted me about an image I'd taken of him. It's interesting. In many ways, um, that image and sort of the backstory behind it and sort of what was inferred by him showing up may have helped to sort of – Deepen the rift between Andy, or heighten the, um, you know, the gamesmanship between those two, that that lasted for sure through two thousand six. Well, so for three more years, there was definitely a rivalry. Well, I, I think what it did was, um, so that that March in Queensland, Aunt, um, Kelly got a ASP trophy number two. So when I go when I stay at the Monroe's house, I stay in the Slater suite. That's where Kelly used to stay. Up on the mantle is that number two trophy. That number two trophy, I guarantee you, is the reason why Andy got, why Kelly got eight, nine, ten, and eleven. I think for the first time, Andy raised Kelly's. Oh, yeah, I want to do this again. Right. And so every time I look at that trophy, I just think it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's like yeah. that's the reason why. Right. And and also I think that losing that pipeline contest, Kelly's father was there, and his, his dad was going through cancer, and. Yeah. I think it was a very emotional moment for Kelly. Yeah. And um, I think he just – and he wanted to get some get it back for his dad and stuff like right. that. So there's all kind of reasons about that. But uh, 
That was a very emotional time on the North Shore, you know? Yeah. That's when, when Andy walked up to Kelly and goes, I love you, before their final heat. Yeah. And then he goes, what the fuck? What? What do you mean you love me? You know, like, you yeah. know? But that's kind of... That was the same year? Yeah. During, so yeah. that was just a couple of weeks later or a week later or three days oh, later. Yeah, three, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I left the North Shore, yeah. so I wasn't there for that. Yeah. But um, definitely there. Um, Kelly is no stranger to psychology. Yeah. And... and so if in Kelly's mind he was showing up to to get a golf partner to go get Damien and he went to the wrong house he he just thought it was the house you know, and then he walked around to the living yeah. room he did a circle around the living room and he's probably going this is awkward yes I should probably pretend like I'm I'm doing something okay yeah. well bye yeah. yeah I think I think I mean was, I can buy Kelly's version of it actually I can buy that he made a mistake and, and you know what it, as I said I it's 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 plausible too that it was a mistake because he was wearing his golf gear yeah he looked like but I just, I, I just wasn't sure why he walked up to the Red Bull house of all the places. I mean, I think Damien, the guy Damien might have been staying next door at the Yesters. So, uh, but who knows the story? And it wasn't Damien Hobby. It was a different Damien. So it was a different oh, Damien. Oh, so, oh, okay. so it wasn't Damien Hobby, but okay. it was Oakley Damien. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. anyway, so. <laughs> Oakley Damien. An oh, Oakley, Oakley Damien or some guy Oakley dude or something, oh, yeah. you know, but. Um, okay. So, so what's also interesting is that this the story that came out in Transworld, sort of the inferred psychology, the gamesmanship, sort of plays into his hand. So now when he retells the story, he can put a wry smile on it because this, that version of the story kind of plays into his whole who yeah. he is, this, this psychology master. Yes, I've seen him do multiple things. He does little things, little things that are just pretty calculated. You know, I'm not saying they're bad things at all. No, no, no. no. It, it's just... Gamesmanship, yeah. and, and Kelly is a man. He's all my friends. He's the deepest thinker of all my friends. Right. I can't even. So he gets in. He can have a conversation with anyone on any subject, and get so depth. I go, how did you learn all these things? And I'm, I'm always amazed yeah. at how deep his heart. What's in his hard drive? Yeah. But he stays up late at night on the computer, and that's what he does. He's he's gone to the University of the Web. Yeah. And you know he's got a tenure degree or something Flat like that. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's gnarly. I mean, he like he'll he he'll send me stuff on. Di- I'm a diabetic, and he'll send me stuff on diabetes. And go, hey, sure, check this out. You know, this yeah. raw diet, and and he's really sweet like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. he and you know, that's cool. Yeah, he's cool. He's cool like that. He's a good friend. You mentioned that um, Andy just snapped on you. Can you get give me a story there? Why did he snap on you? When did he snap at you? What was that about? <laughs> uh, it's. This was in Brazil before Kelly won his – was it his seventh world title? Yes. And I had been sent by Quicksilver to cover it. And so I'm with Jamie Tierney, and we heard that there was a little party at the Billabong house. The boys were having playing poker. So I said, Jamie, let's go over there. And Jamie – because I, I know. I'm friends with Bruce and Parco. Really good friends, all those guys. Yeah. So let's go over there. And Jamie's okay. So we, we walk in, knock on the door. We walk in the house, and there's Bruce, Parco, Andy – and they're all playing poker. And I walk in, and it's kind of silence, you know. And and, and, I, and Parker gives me a big hug because Parker makes me, always makes me feel better because he's just a good guy. Yeah. So anyway, and then Andy just looks over me and he goes, I know what you're doing here, Sherman. What do you mean? He's like, you're here to see me lose this thing, aren't you? He goes, you're, you're, you're with Kelly. I know it. You're here, you're here to capture me lose this thing and Kelly win his title. And I went, I went whoa, bro. Hold on. I go, I, you know, I'm working, but dude, I tell you, if if you if you beat him here, 
I'm going to be there for you when you win the world title. And he's like, he's like, that's bullshit. He starts, he's parading around the room. The whole room's silent. And he's, he's going off. And he's going off. Right. And so Parco picks up my little 50 millimeter lens camera and starts emulating me shooting photos around it. But he's really shooting photos. Oh, good. So he cat and so Andy's like in my face, and these are kind of soft. But I have them. I have these photos. This sounds killer. And then he's and he's he's all, he's all super animated. <laughs> and then I go, Andy. I go, dude. Don't you remember? I've been there for every one of your titles. Remember the, the president shot? I met you at the airport, and I shot you as a president. Remember the, the cigar shot? I go, dude. You're my friend too. I swear to you, you're both my friends. I care about you both, both most. I'm going to be there for both of you no matter what happens. Yeah. He looks at me. He goes, my bad. And he comes up and holds me in a big hug. And, was and it then, awkward? Was it no, awkward? it was a great hug. I was like, oh, it was the best hug I got in a long time. Okay, no, so. it was a great hug. No, he's like, okay. I'm sorry. He goes, sure, I'm sorry. And then the next shot is a hug. And there's one of me, him holding, looking at each other together. And he let it go. Oh, okay. After I, I reminded him what I had done them. But I have Do you think that, that that – that his reaction harkens back to that moment when he thinks that you and Kelly set him Maybe. up. Maybe. Could be. That yeah. it, when I heard that, it made that moment made a little more sense. Yeah. yeah. But um, Andy had never – he's always been – he was always cool to me. He, he never denied me of a photo. He always told me that I make him look good. He always sends this photo of him at Pipeline, like 98. I shot looking up at him. He's like, sure. You took this photo of me at Pipeline. It was in the thing. Man, you made me look so good, and I was so fat. God, man, how'd you do that? I love it. So I was like, cool, man. You, know? you as you mentioned, you, you became good friends with Andy. Um, did you sense that there was any inner turmoil, um, for lack of a better phrase? I, I don't really like demons, but that one oh, seems no, to Oh, no, for stick. sure. No, no. And, and if you see the movie, and I think the, you know, the biggest problem with, with Andy it wasn't the you know the drinking or the drugs or the pills. It was his. That was a symptom of a. That was a symptom thing. of him trying to mask the bipolar issue. He definitely was bipolar. Yeah. And he knew it. Yeah. And he had these manic mood swings. Yeah. He'd be I mean, either one way. Yeah. And um, we think we all knew something. Definitely something was going on. And the drugs and and whatever and the oxycotton and all that kind of stuff were just masking, trying to cover up. I think for him, what was really deeply going on. Which was... Why do you think he's no longer with us, if you had to put it? I think he's... I don't know. I think there was definitely something we didn't know about. There was a heart valve issue. He had a heart condition that no one knew about, that he didn't know about. A lot of people can have heart disease, and you don't even know it until they're 50 when they die. Yeah. I've had four friends, three friends have died at the age of 50 and over from heart disease, and they had no idea. So during the autopsy, they found that out. But um, maybe the rock and roll lifestyle, I think, you know, maybe. What is that code for? Drugs and alcohol and just. Yeah, rock and roll lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lifestyle. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, yeah, just like, you know. Yeah. I, and, I do know. And I think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you know, you've been. It's not, so, but I, you know, it's the, I, and I think. Why the, do you think Andy Irons is no longer with us? Like I, in, in a sentence, in a word. I think. In a way, I think it's almost like he'd had enough. His his mind and body said, "I had enough," and I think he lived in a lot of turmoil in his life. He, I think, deep down, he was in a lot of pain. Yeah. And um, I saw him a month before he died in France. I took the last portrait of him. Yeah. And um, he just he seemed <laughs> seemed a little manic, just a little, yeah. little, you know. And he was he was with Mick, and Mick was kind of trying to watch him and stuff, and. 
he was kind of going off in extremes and um I was really happy to see I'm glad I got to shoot that photo and I got to be with him and talk to him for a little bit and it was a little consolation but um he's not here but just you know when you're introspective as you are right now I can tell you're, you're sort of self-analyzing in regards to Andy's tragedy you ever say to yourself if I could, if I only did this or I only did that, like, do you ever have moments? Where never. You, yeah. No, I think I've never even crossed my, what, I mean, that's not fair. Yeah. Really. Well, what are you going to do? Say, hey, you know, Andy, you know, you really need to get on some meds and help yourself. What are you going to say? You need to stop doing it's blow. Not really your yeah, place. You know, you really need to get off the Oxycontin. You can't, you can't, you can't do that stuff. Yeah. With, with, even with, it's not even, your place. It's not your place. Yeah. Even with good friends, everyone's responsible for their own self and their own actions. Um, I mean, there's not I, – I think of Andy a lot still, and yeah. especially when I go places like when Queensland, when I get there and he's not there. Um, yeah. And yeah. I know a lot of his friends I talk to, you know, they you still have a moment where you, you, you cry a little bit because it's sad he's not here. Yeah. And it's sad that he can't watch Axel grow up. But yeah. Axel's just a little mini him. It's just, he? Oh, he's so he's so talented, and he just, you know, has yeah. that little Andy – it's it's really it's cute. A little swagger. A little swagger. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back a little bit, um, and I might be wrong here, but and please correct me if I am. But oh, I'll correct you. <laughs> <laughs> <That's good. laughs> Taylor Steele's momentum video. It featured guys like Benji Weatherly and Kalani Rob and Shane Dorian, Rob Machado, Chris Malloy, um, of course Kelly Slater, um, Ross Williams, and some others that I'm forgetting. Right Donovan. Now. Donovan. Okay. That seemed like it was a critical time for you. From my vantage, these relationships were foundational for your career. And how would you respond to that assumption? I mean, you really met these guys yeah. when they were young, and it really helped you to get access. Oh, Is God. that true or not true? Or? Completely true. Um, I've told Taylor Steele multiple times, like when he, I met those guys when ta I, I was serving with Taylor at Seaside. I, he was like a Seaside guy, and yeah. I was. He's like, hey, I want to shoot a, um, a possible cover for the Focus video coming up. Would you be doing it? I go, yeah, of course. He's all, okay, I'm going to get, he names off all those guys. I go, they're going to meet. What do you want me? I go, meet at my house in, in Solana Beach. Okay, we'll meet you there at 2 o'clock on Thursday. And he lists this whole name. And I'm going, there's no way. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Kelly's going to show up to my house. And, yeah. and, and Ross Williams likes this. At 2 o'clock, Taylor knocks on my door, and they're, they're all there. Rad. I couldn't believe it. Oh. So I'm all, so we, we introduced me. So then we went and shot some stuff in my backyard. had tall grass. And we went over to the alley and I shot the, the focus shot. The shot that wasn't in the video, but it was like kind of that era shot. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And at that point. Did you, how, how much did you art direct that shot? I mean. Everything. Yeah. Well, it was on me. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, it was me. I, I wanted to make them look like, you know, I, not that it was my band. It was like a, like a Pennywise band shot or, or a rock and roll. I want to make them look rock and roll. Right. That's why I did it like that in the alley. I, right. I, I love. I'm still a fan of making, bringing urban meets surf. Yeah, you know, Sean Stussy made me right. embedded that to me a long time ago. I think it's it's hip and it's, it's cool. Yeah. Um, but at that point, I felt like I was a made man because if Taylor says this guy's cool, yeah, he must be cool. And then they saw the photos and they loved him. And from that point on. I was pretty good friends with all those guys. Yeah. And then I, I was able to, you know, parlay that into doing this. Where I see someone, hey, I see this photo. Like Shane Dorian became a good friend. And all those yeah. guys became pretty good friends, you know? Yeah. And, um, but that was kind of Kelly's opening to me, too. He, yeah. You know? As a matter of fact, when I shot Kelly in the U.S. Open a year later, that first shot the U.S. Open, Kelly remembered me from the shoot. So he, he gave me this cool shot where he's holding his board, getting all, all trippy, uh -huh. you know? And, and that's because he had met me through Taylor Steele. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's then that's true. That does seem like it was a real foundational thing, and that's that's but really I, cool. But I told Taylor Steele this. I go, I wouldn't even be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for you. And and, and, and Taylor goes, Oh no! He goes, I probably just picked it up by about a year. He goes, It would have definitely happened anyway. And I go, Okay, I'll give you that. But <laughs> he definitely jump started it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's neat. That's that's neat that there's moments in people's lives that that are presented to them and that they take advantage of, and it's cool. Yeah. What about Kelly Slater now? Um, is it harder now to get access to Kelly than, say, five years ago? You personally? I mean, do you have direct access to Kelly? Can- mm-hmm. Yeah. If I text Kelly, he gets back to me. Yeah. But sometimes he doesn't. It, yeah. it all depends, you know. But yeah. um, Does he I, have other responsibilities now relative to, say, oh, five years ago? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's got a bunch of stuff on it. He's got all these little business things, and he's doing all kinds of stuff. But I tell you that he, he's a good friend, and I, and I guarantee you, if something happens, push comes to shove, he'd probably be one of the first people there. Yeah. And he's done some really neat things for me in my life where he just he stepped up and as a friend. So, um, has he ever not given you access when you're like backstage or back hotel room or back contest thing, and he's like, "Not now, sure, and please." Oh, he, oh, he's waved me off a couple times for yeah, sure, yeah. but nothing radical, but. Yeah. But sometimes he's more accessible than others. He's just yeah. like he's a, you know, like most humans. Like most humans, he's just yeah. like your average person. Sometimes he's really engaging, and sometimes he's deep in thought. Sometimes he's not feeling. He just gets into his own world, and he doesn't really want to engage. Do you, as a photographer, feel like that's the best time to get the shot when he's like, I'm not putting on the person, the public persona. I'd, you know, you want to get that sort of deep, yeah, sparkle. But, but but you can't unless you get there. You, gotta respect you, you it. can't shoot it. So yeah. it's just once you're in, in the world, I think, of people. And that's what I've learned doing portraits with people. Like what I do, especially when I'm shooting portraits of new people, it's like 75% social skills. The person knows you. All of a sudden, they're all, okay, you're cool. And then they let you in. Yeah. And if you can make them feel really comfortable within two minutes, you're in like Flynn. And I, I think I'm really good at that for some reason. I don't know. Sometimes I'm not the most social person in the world, but – if I if I really want to be, I can. Yeah. As as my wife and kids point out, you know. That, <laughs> uh, but uh, I use it. For what I do, it's a very important tool. Is being social yeah. and being a, you know making people feel okay. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. 
and you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Have there been other surfers or musicians that have, that have waved you off, waved off access? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, not really. Um, I mean, beyond like the professional, hey, now's not a good time, but more like, no, there's some like that are angry so, or like, no. is there a good story about, I no. don't know. I'll tell you one nut that's been the hardest one to crack yeah. that I, I've just never been close to has been John John. Yeah. I mean, I remember as a little kid in the North Shore and I've never really shot many photos of him in the North Shore when I was a kid. I just yeah. felt like I just wasn't, I don't know. I just didn't feel it was, I was right to do it. But, um, it's just been the last like couple of years, three years that John's opened up to me a little more. And so now I feel more, I feel more comfortable with him right. and he feels more comfortable with me. Yeah. Not that we're great friends or anything, but right. now, but now if I can ask, I can, I feel comfortable asking John, Hey, can I shoot this? And, and, and he usually like, say, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, most is, surfers. Is it because maybe he's protected by the Hurley, by the, maybe yeah, some we, of their staff, you know, names we don't need to mention, but yeah, he has his own world and he has, yeah. he has his own friends who are yeah. photographers. Yeah. He's a photographer, which John, me and John had one of the most longest conversations we've had about his, his dark room and, and yeah. stuff like that, which I found really cool. He's a Renaissance man. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Sailor photographer. Oh yeah. I know. He, and he, yeah. He builds things and he's uh he's, he's John's deep. John's a really deep kid. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm a fan of, of, of his surfing and as a person too, and, and his family and his mom's nice sweetheart too. So, you know, I don't in many know. ways he does sort of mimic, not mimic, but he's very similar to Kelly in the regards that there's, um, that he's cerebral, that he sort of doesn't have a father figure in his life. Although I'm sure Kelly's dad was there, but we all know there were some issues there. Um, yeah. and they're, they're both kind of in a weird way. I guess I don't know if Renaissance is the right term, but they're yeah. deeper than let's do a five forty grab. I rail. think yeah, John and Kelly are definitely in the same category of uh, of, of deep thinkers and have that different interests besides surfing. And uh, I think John's I think John's very intelligent. Yeah, I, he must have a high IQ. He just seemed just he's very he's a smart guy, you know, and you can tell that. And um, I, I find that. I think it's pretty cool. I'm attracted to that sometimes with people. But then I don't, I'm not the smartest guy. But I said something with Kelly. He'll start talking about something with someone, and I just I, I, I walk away. I can't even I can't even begin to jump into that conversation. Yeah. It blows my mind how how deep of a thinker Kelly is, and how much he knows about all these different subjects and vast. You know, it could be construction or or medical. Yeah. He's really Kelly's really into checking stuff out on the internet about medical stuff hmm. and you know cancer research and yeah. like me with, with me like diabetes. He was he got this really this long kicker. He was checking out diabetes stuff and he was convinced that <laughs> I could get off insulin if I went on a raw diet. Yeah, man. <laughs> so I said, Kelly, I go, you don't know, but it's it's no 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 <laughs> no one gets off insulin usually. Yeah. And but he was really sweet about it. So I did, I did the raw diet for about a month to show him, and it lowered my blood sugar, and it was good. But it just it didn't. It's not going to. It was it's type. I think it's type one where you're you're getting ready to have diabetes before your pancreas shuts off. That a raw diet can actually really help your, your pancreas to rejuvenate and come back. That's where I found out about it, okay. and so that it, and it's it's pretty miraculous. 
But yeah. that's that's radical, raw, only raw, everything, no white sugar, nothing like that. Yeah. But anyway, but that's something Kelly found out for me, and he texted me right away at three in the morning. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's, I was when you were talking about how smart Kelly is and John John's like that. It made me think of Dave Parmenter. He's another guy that's real, yeah, cerebral that way. It's funny you should say that because um, I grew up in an era where John would come down here. He'd surf a lot of contests. John Parmenter, his, yeah. his brother. No, Dave. I'm sorry. I'm, I think Dave Parmer. Yeah, Dave. Yeah. Dave. I'm not Dave. Yeah. Dave. And I was a big fan of him. And he would come down here and just kill contests. Yeah. And I just thought he was a ra- ra- radical surfer, and but he was a deep thinker, and you, you know, he just he seemed like he was a little different. And yeah, so, exactly. And but um, I'd like to meet him again. But funny, a Dave Parmer story. So this is like in 1991, and I was just starting to work for Rusty, and I'm doing some ads with Dave Carson yeah. and uh, Dave was working for Rusty then and yeah. shaping. And yeah. he, was, he was in a room. Next. Really? Dave Carson was shaping? No, Dave Parmer. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Dave Parmer. Was, yeah, was, right, was, right. I was working with Absolutely. Dave Carson. So right. you can tell our direction we're doing is pretty radical. Sure. And, and so, and so then uh, Dave, he left. So Dave was no longer there. And then uh, one time Rusty took me aside. He's like, sure. <laughs> I knew Dave was going to leave when I showed him an ad that you and Carson had done. <laughs> <laughs> and he just looked at it, and I just knew right then and there it was over. <laughs> Arm runner wanted nothing to do with I, it. I just didn't get it. I don't think you know. But as I said, I'm he's incredible shaper, yeah. incredibly hot surfer. Yes, and, and water, God, person. Was, water person. Water yeah. person. Yeah. yeah, was married to Rel. I mean, God, what a Makaha guy for a while. He was a yeah. legend. Yeah, and very smart guy. Very smart guy. Um, now you work for the WSL, I believe, right? Is what is your official sort of. title? Like, what are you hired gun contractor there? Or hired gun. Uh-huh. What do they require of you? What do you, they ask you to do? Um, well, they ask me to um, certain contests. They ask me to shoot. And I come up and I um, I have to give them. I have to put the, upload images like three times a day. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Um, there's a, there's a new guy, Dave Finger, there. He's in charge of the content, and I've been mm-hmm. working with him. He's a really neat guy. I think he came from ESPN, mm-hmm. and um, I'm really excited working with him. Yeah. Um, How do you choose which events you get to cover? I, or do they tell you? Um, I ask. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes they they ask too. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I get to go. Sometimes I don't. I wish I'd like to do more. Um, mm-hmm. I just covered the U.S. Open, and. I'm saying I did probably one of the best contests it ever covered as far as visually. Yeah, I did. A, I thought I did a really good job. So, and they use all my photos on on, the, on their um, applications, all that stuff. I got a lot, a lot of run on that. Um, you do that that sort of sherm ask. Um, I don't know how to characterize it. I want to say like black and white. Um, you yeah, know, that really yeah. that sherm look. It depends. Know, what, it depends. Is that not, what they ask for from they, you? Like that? They, is they, they, is they, it they, film? No, it's no, digital. It's digital, but yeah. I, I make my. I can make my digital look pretty close to my black and white photography just right. with simple contrast and burning and dodging. Right. Um, yeah, there's certain things that they ask for me too that I have troubles with sometimes. Is a, that I, I tend to sometimes get on the web camera sometimes. Oh, and they're not, they don't like that? Well, no, it's because you, you, you want to make sure that the, the video guys, like the red camera guys, they get first priority. Oh, and, you're and, getting in front of them? You're yeah, well, they, and when you're doing a chair on the beach in yeah. Huntington, and, and it's like, you it's know. It's just a mad rush. It's a mad rush, and 
And my thing is, I, I say, you know, I'm I'm like a I'm like a full pack. You, you give me the ball, I'm going up the middle. I'm looking for the goal line, yeah. and I'm and sometimes I'm not really thinking as much as well as I should. I'm kind of on zone. So um, and I'm trying to be more aware of that. But um, that that's one thing when you're working for the WSL, then you have to, there's certain guys, you, you know, the the webcast gets the first priority because they want everyone to see everything like that. So and what I do is important is important too, and they know that. But I just have to sometimes keep myself in check a little bit. And, and step back a bit yeah. and, and make sure I don't get in the way of those guys. Um, yeah. And um, I know that's one of my things in my mind because it's, it's hard. Yeah. I'm, You're going for the goal line. I'm a frother. I'm yeah. going for the goal line. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the red zone. Yeah. And I'm smelling the goal line. <laughs> and this year, I, and this, I had Ethan with me, my son. We were doing double flash. So right. I, got, I got my son, Ethan, who's a, who's, who's a middle linebacker now. Uh-huh. And he's holding the second flash. And... He's in the, and he's throwing elbows, keeping in there, and he's. It was really funny, but um, it, it all comes out the wash. But I, I love working for the WSL because it's it's that's ground zero, and I love my imagery being seen. Yeah, and something I miss now that all the magazines are gone. Yeah, is that my stuff doesn't get 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 doesn't get seen as much. Yeah. So, um, as an artist, I don't do this for the money. I I, I do this for showing my images and showing and entertaining people with that stuff. Yeah. What about, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, your son's there and you, and you've got a plan. Like, how do you go up? Do you, do you like when you go to the U S open or you're saying to yourself, okay, okay. Um, Kanoa Igarashi's in the final. He's a hometown boy. I'd love to somehow set up a shot. Like, are you thinking about shots in, in advance or are you just like, Trying to find the moment when it happens and making sure you're it's there. in that situation where it's so crazy. I, I, so I might have an idea in my head, but no, it's improv at the at the moment. Yeah. Like a good example was um, Courtney won, yeah. and she came up the beach, and it was the you know it was a, you know the, the rugby shrug you know we're all pushing shoving, and she came and she had an American flag around her neck. I'm like Courtney, let's do a real quick shot. Put over your head. So she put the flag over her head like a tent, and me and Ethan hit her with double flash underneath, one shot. And it was one of the better shots I got the whole thing. It looked like a studio shot amongst all the chaos. Yeah. And that's why I like doing the double flash stuff. I'm, I'm just trying to make something different, bring it, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll do events with no flash, you know, all yeah. ambient light. I do a lot. Yeah. But sometimes I want to use flash. So sometimes you just want so to double change. flash is like more of like front lighting, like front lit, like. It's like skateboard photography. You know, huh. skateboard photography, like in skate photography, we're, we're always using two flashes right. surrounding the subject with a flash. I see. And like so it's I, like flame lighting. No, no, no that's more no, front no, light. No, that's, okay, you're right for full surround light. Yeah, this is this is artificial surrounding light. Okay. It looks like flame light, yeah. but Larry light. But it's, yeah. it's 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 on. You're doing it with flashes. Yeah. So and it's um, it just makes it look really unique. No one really ever does this this way. Do other can other photographers poach on the lighting? No. They're like that, no. that wise, or it's all got to be at the right time. In, unless they can, unless they get lucky. No, unless they can capture it in, in like a hundred and fifth, of a second. Yeah. That's how fat. No, they can't poach it unless right. it's like that. And sometimes you get lucky. Like yeah. I've gotten shots where you're shooting, you know, a, a guy on the scaffolding and you hit the shutter at the exact same time as the guy on the flash did yeah. and you poach it yeah. and it looks insane. <laughs> but, or you need the same thing, but I have a remote. This is our radio remote. So that's yeah. what me and Ethan did. He has a radio remote. He had a backpack and he's holding it above his head like a human tripod. So that's how we did it at the US Open. So I, I only did it on the last day. I saved it up for that and yeah. uh, we did it last year too. 
and we had really good results. And this year we did it really well, and I'm really happy with it. It's just, I think I'm, we might try to do it at Pipeline maybe this year too, because no one's ever done that really at Pipeline. It'll, it'll add a whole new look to it. Yeah, you know, it's just photojournalism meets skate photography. What about um, drones? What do you think? What are your thoughts on drone photography? I love looking at it. Yeah, I think it's cool. I yeah. love I love seeing it. Yeah. Have zero interest in doing it. Right, zero. Okay, um, but I think it's a very unique perspective, and I love it. It's yeah, as a surfer, I dig it. But yeah. as, as what I do for, as a photographer, it doesn't bring anything to me. There's you know, there's guys, there's like surf photographers, like action photographers. You know, like I'm thinking like. Like guys like Todd, um, is it Glazer or Glasser? Glazer. Todd Glazer. Um, oh, oh, by the way, the best. Zach Knoll. Zach, one of the best too. Um, how long does a career like that last? Like to be swimming at night? Like, well, that's a young man's game. Yeah, or? just ask Scott Eigner. I was. That's yeah. Scott Eigner. He um, Eigner is was a cutting edge. Yes, he was the guy. Right? The guy. Yeah. And from like what, 2000 to 2010 or something. Yeah. Yeah. He had about 10 years where no one could touch him. Yeah. And I think he got his ass handed to him at pipeline one day, like oh, right. radically. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was it. I think yeah. he said, you know what? I've had enough. Um, there's another guy, Tim from Australia. One of the, um, God, I, McKenna. No, another guy. He was a, he was a bodyboarder. And he was doing crazy stuff at Chopu, wide angle, and he got his hand it to him on the inside, and he stopped. Yeah, wow. It was one moment where he almost died. Yeah, there's a – Tim Jones. Tim Jones. Tim Jones, super talented. Yeah. Oh, my God, so talented and a big guy too. Yeah. Um, Daniel Russo is one of the best too, by the way. Daniel Russo is incredible. He's like a yeah. long arms, and, and, he, and he's, still, he's still doing it. Yeah. They mentioned he was out at Neos that last well. He and, was, and um, and um, Ted Grambeau was in a boat. Yeah, Ted Grambeau was doing a live Insta feed from the boat during the swell. I don't know if you saw yeah. it, but he mentioned that Russo was out in the water. And um, but um, I guess my question is, what happens to like Scott Eichner's of the world or the or like the Pete Friedens of the world or the Tim Joneses of the world? Like, do they just disappear? Like you seem to have a situation where you've got a great sort of niche. And I just wonder like if it's a young man's game, which it is, I, I don't know what happens to these guys. Maybe it's a they, silly uh, thought. Well, well, they get real jobs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, luckily with me, you know, before I was even doing the surf thing, I was shooting skateboarding and I've been doing portraits. So, I'm a photographer. And I, I can keep going. You know, I, yeah. I, I do family photos. I, I'm. A, you did my wedding, by the way. Yeah. Thank you very much. We yeah. love our wedding. Yes. Photos. Well, that thank might you. make you cringe a little that you were a wedding. No, photographer. no, no, no. I, I still do that, and and that stuff's very deep. Yeah. Um, I, I shot a family ranch, Santa Fe, last week. I do a lot of I do a lot of family portraits now. Oh, cool. Um, T Co. Doc, uh, at, at Instagram. T Sherms Portrait Co. Um, that's my little Instagram oh, cool. and I do family, fa family portraits and I do them on the beach and, and, and I'm really good at it and I'm fast, but you know, these other guys, I don't know, they have to get real jobs or, yeah. and, and, you know, and just move on, I guess, you know, it just seems like a tough gig. You know? see, here, here, like, here I call it a real job. Like, I know. I didn't notice that. I was, yeah, I, you I, work hard, Steve. You deserve to call it a real job. <laughs> it's not all glory and fame and oh, it's, hanging with oh, the bros. God, it's, it's been a tough in the last few years with the, you know, I don't know, the whole, with the, 
all the magazines gone and, yeah. uh, and a lot of stuff has changed in the surf industry with advertising. There's not as much marketing money anymore. Yeah. So um, I've lost a lot of clients over the last three years. Yeah. But, you know, I've been through skateboard recessions. I've been through surfing. I've been through these. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if this is a recession or not. This is a, this is a different this way. This is like a new paradigm. This is almost. a new thing yeah. where they're changing their money. They're putting their money in different places as opposed to advertising and print and stuff. So, um, you know, what, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So, but it's tough as an artist. Sometimes you're, you know, it's, your family pays the price sometimes. Yeah. Does your family pay the price? Yeah. In certain ways, for sure. I mean, just, you know, I'm financially sometimes cause it goes up and down. Sometimes you're doing great. Sometimes you aren't. Yeah. Um, sometimes being an obsessive artist on things, you know? Yeah. But, you know, my kids and Pam, you know, they know what I do and they know this is what I do and this is what I do best. This is what makes me happy. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure everyone pays a price on, on every, everyone's parts of their lives that they're obsessed with. Yeah. Surf, surfers' families pay the price. Yeah. I mean, my family's paid the price on that too. You know, me, you and me, Scott, one thing we have in common, we are still hardcore surfers. Yes, and that's why we do this, right? I always, I, I would, when I go someplace and they oh, you brought your surfboard on the trip. And I go, hey, I don't do this not to surf. <laughs> yeah, duh. Duh. And people like, look at me like, wow, you brought two boards. So I'm all, well, yeah, it might get bigger. <laughs> Good for you. I'm glad you're carrying the torch. Well, we were at Seaside the other day. It was pumping Seaside, and there's Bassy and me. And we're like, yep, things are things the same, yeah, you know? Things are the same, yeah. Surf P at Seaside in yeah. 1980 or whatever. Yeah. That's... I'm going to throw some names at you. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I want you to. Scott, you, you see, you're putting me on the spot a lot well, that's today. That's what makes good pod. You know? No, I, I, I want good pod. I want you to put these guys in order of who you think is the best. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, I am not kidding you. Okay. Okay, you ready? Okay. Okay. There's only there's only five guys. I want you to list them. Okay. Okay, I'm going to throw out these <clears throat> names. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Art Brewer, Warren Bolster, Ted Grambo, Aaron Chang, Jeff Devine. Say it one more time. Art Brewer, Warren Bolster, Ted Grambo, Aaron Chang, Ted Jeff Gr Devine. Give me uh, the number five, number four, number three, number two. I number can only one. do it within every one of those gentlemen are extremely talented and influential in my work. Right. Um, for what I do, I have to put Art Brewer because Art Brewer, oh God, I just can't tell you, I wouldn't be doing what I do if it wasn't for him. And one time for a long time, Art would not give me the time of day. I was, you know, I was a new kid. And one day I went up to him, I gushed on him. I said, Art, I got to tell you, I just think you are everything. And I wouldn't be doing what I do. And thank you for doing what you do. And then that point on, we became friends. Um, so Art Brewer, just because all the photojournalism stuff he did in the six. Well, when I, it's funny. I look at this list and I really think that he's sort of the only one that, like he's known as, as a portrait photographer. Yeah. And he does great action stuff. But, yeah. I mean, he does see, it does make sense that you yeah. would say that he's... And, and right next to him is Ted Grambeau. <clears throat> because Ted Grambeau is not only... He's a good friend of mine. Um, I've been a fan. of. He went to New York, shot fashion. And um, <laughs> the funny thing one time with him is I had had a, a little thing in the surf magazines. I went in France in 95. And I shot the sequence of Pat O'Connell. Pat O'Connell with this French girl. He's looking in the face. He gets closer and he kisses her. It's this three-shot, slow shutter speed, really 
<clears throat> and uh, Ted came up to me in 96 at Bell's. He's all, I'm going to call you Henry Cartier Charmone. He goes, that is the sequence. And he, and he got it that how that was life on tour cutting edge. And, um, from that point on, we've been friends, but I just, I love that Ted appreciated that. And that really gave me a new level of confidence when someone like Ted Graham Bow got it. Yeah. Um, and the other guy, you know, like who are the other names again? Bolster, Chang, <laughs> okay. and Divine. Bolster. We've got one and two. No, 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 no. Hold on. Bolster. Here's the thing about Warren Bolster. I shot with Warren Bolster when I was a kid. I was a pro skater and exactly. I skated La Costa. Yeah. Toenails. Oh, night. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, I, skate, t- well, I skate toenails, but I, really sh- I shot the Del Mar skate park. Yeah. I shot with Warren Bolster and he was, he was a photo editor of Skateboarder magazine. Yeah. So I'm a huge Warren Bolster fan. Yeah. Oh my God. His, he was a big influence on, on my early photography from that sense. Yeah. Um, he probably stoked you more than any of the other two. Like, cause when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, you're, this guy's the photo editor at Skateboarder. Yep. He's shooting photos of you. He's also shooting photos of buttons at, at number threes or whatever. You yes. Know, like, so, the, so I can imagine. Dan Kilo Kaisers. Yeah. I love his Kaisers stuff. His Kaisers stuff in the 70s was cutting edge. Skateboarding yeah. meets, you know, with Vince Klein. Yeah. You know, Dan Kilo, those guys. Um, you know, he was Warren Bolster's father photo. Yeah. And, he, and Bolster influenced Grant Britton. Yes. And me. So me and Grant, and Grant's one of my mentors. Yeah. So at this list, I'm probably going to have to put Bolster at the top of it next to Art, but they're both right in the same place. But 1A and 1B. Yeah, 1A and 1B because those two are just there, right there. Um, Jeff Devine, incredible stuff. You know, Aaron Chang, incredible too in his own way. But So Chang's number five. <laughs> sorry, Aaron. But Aaron, you know, Aaron, Aaron's, Aaron's an incredible photographer. He's an incredible photographer, but he does things his own way. And we all have our things, and there's certain things. I'm a litty, I'm a little more like the raw stuff a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, what, here's a freaky name I'm going to throw out if, I, if you don't mind me interrupting, because I just thought of this name. Whatever happened to Jeff Hornbaker? Like, is, is he still a photographer? Yeah. Or did he have yeah. to? He's still, I, I see he him. He must do fashion work or something. Yeah, I think. You know what I mean? Like these guys yeah. just fall off the face. I go, where are they? Like what? Yeah. Where's Sarge? Where's- I, I think Hornbaker made enough money off Quicksilver when he retired. <laughs> and I also heard, I, I think Hornbaker had to sue Quicksilver for some reason because of lost imagery or something like that. And um, Hornbaker is an interesting guy too. He's one of those guys that wasn't very nice to me for a long time. Yeah. He was a bit salty. Salty. Yeah. And, and I took it a little personally. Yeah. And then I kind of broke... A little bit with him, and I, I went on my way to say, "Hey, I really dig what you do, man." You know, because his stuff's unique, you know, and yeah. and and he's another of those guys like Art who, they, when they, once they realize that I respected them and I was in awe of them, yeah. they kind of let you back, let you in the world. Right. Um, That's interesting that we basically had to kind of kiss ass, even though there was sincerity behind it, but you had to let them know. I let them know, yeah. and, and and I had no problem, especially yeah. with Art. Yeah, yeah. Art really upset because I really. This thing, the cat, he's the, he's yeah. the, he's the shit. And yeah. his button stuff alone, God, it's so cutting edge of like rock and roll meets the surf, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I, and I hired art to shoot stuff when I was, when I was photo editing. I, it was rad. I, I, I used to use warm bolster for stuff when I was photo editor at surfing. And that's what was really full circle. When you get to work with the guys who influence you as a photo editor and you get to help them make your vision come true. That's, that's a special. What about Sarge? Um, Sarge. I don't know. We don't have to go there. I'm just wondering. Is, he, ta- doing, is he doing okay? Does anyone? I mean, I know. I'll talk. I'll, I'll talk about Sarge. Yeah. Um, 
I like Sarge. I think Sarge is a good guy. Um, Sarge is living, I think, uh, right across the border at Tweed's Head still, I, I hear. Yeah. Um, I think he's he happy. Is Sarge happy? God, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't know that. I just feel like he was tormented. He, you know, Sarge was very tormented. He had a lot of dark demons going on with sexually and all kind of, you know, every, all kind of across the face. Yeah. You know, he wasn't a great drunk probably. Yeah. But um, he was, he influenced a lot of the stuff he did on tour. I mean, as far as shooting and stuff, I just thought with his videos and stuff were super, yeah. um, I just can't forgive him for what, what went down a couple times with some stuff, you know. Oh, some weird shit happened? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't want to go there? No, I can't. I'm not going to go yeah, there. Yeah. Well, we'll, 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 was he drunk? Oh, uh, yeah. It's beyond drunk. We'll just okay. say we'll say some stuff happened in South Africa that was not right. Right. And um, it involves a friend of mine, too. So okay. but that's all I'm going to say about it. Okay, but, yeah. but that's what Sarge is – no, because of that, can no longer even dabble in the surf world. Yeah. He's so, been sort of ostracized. Yeah, he, he has. And it's sad. Um, but he never made amends or he never – I don't know about that. I don't know about I that. I mean, did he ever approach you and just say, I'm sorry? Or No, I, I haven't seen him. I think I saw him once after that one time. No. No, I don't think so. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's a deep subject. I don't know how you knew about that. Yeah, that, that happened a while ago. It was, it was a heavy thing. And it was sad because it was, so, it was just a stupid thing. You're like, oh, my God. How yeah. would he do something like that to make this happen, to, to give away his whole, the whole world that he was a big part of? Yeah. Yeah. He just flushed it down the toilet. He, he flushed so. it down the toilet. Yeah. What about um, our friend Brian Bielman? Great guy. Great Lover guy. of Neil Young. Oh, yeah. I, I had talk- the pleasure of sitting in a boat with him at Pavaru <laughs> and shooting photos one time, and it was just enjoyable. He, it was fun to hang Brian out. is one of my favorite people. I've worked with him but, but at uh, Transworld. Transworld Surfing. I worked with him, you know, at Surfing Magazine. So I've worked him as I've been his boss. I've worked him as a peer. You know, we've worked yeah. on. And Brian is one of the most positive people, the most funnest people to hang around. Yeah, he loves his music. Yep, and he loves photography. He's a good storyteller. Good storyteller, man. He tell, and he's just a good guy. And so I think. I, he was on the. He was living on the South Shore for a while. He had a new girlfriend. And I think he has. Because he's, he's been divorced now, and I'm just not sure. <laughs> Everyone's falling off. There's, it's like this whole world that we all had was just kind of falling apart. Yeah. Um, as far as surf photography, a mainstay, you know. Do you think I I get the sense, and tell me what you think? I get the sense that the newer generation they don't even know who these guys are. Like I kind of feel like they're they're like if you went down to Seaside and you asked Taylor Clark who yeah. Brian Bielman was. Nothing against Taylor. I'm just using him as an example. Yeah. Or yes, my son, for instance. Hank. Yeah. They, they're like who? Yeah. Jeff Devine, who? Like, and it feels like and maybe it's just my own. Well, I'm tied to it emotionally, but it feels like they should know who these guys. And, are. And here's something too I find weird about with the surf magazines falling off. The thing about my generation and even younger generations, they all had surf magazines laying around everywhere. So you could be at someone's house and you pick up a surf magazine from 1994. And you're like, oh, look at this. Oh, that's that dude. And nowadays with less ma- – it's – going online is not the same. And it's not in your face. And there's it, not a history, as you mentioned. Like if you pick yeah. up a 94 issue, all of a sudden if you're a Grom, you're sort of in – you're sort of learning a little bit about what happened in 94 because there's 94 and 98 and 2005 yeah. and it's all right there in your fingertips. And you don't have to search it. You know, 
it's this, it's rare, haphazardly, you pick up a magazine, you're like, oh, I'm learning about this because it just happens to be here. You get on a computer, you have to search 1994, surfing, France, or something. Yeah. And that's, uh, there's a little spontaneity lost in, in the internet. Yeah. It's, it, it's just, and um, I don't know, it's, it's a sad, I, didn't, I never thought we'd lose the print the way we have. Maybe it'll be a comeback of it. But um, it's tough. I still work with a magazine in Japan called F Plus, Yuki mm. Sonoda. It's a free magazine and it's color. And I still get, st- I, I have a, I have a, section where it's always like five, ten, you know, six spreads of my work yeah. and it's beautiful and it's all printed right. And I cherish it yeah. because I get it and it's in print. I just, I just did the U S open uh-huh. and it's going to be in there. And she sent me a little PDF of it and, and she's like, Oh my God, you must be so proud of this. And I went, wow. Yeah. And, and, and she gets the photojournalism and, and everything like that. So as I said, I, as a, as a photographer and artist, I still like seeing my work in print. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm old school, I guess. But yeah. it's not the same as on a computer screen. No. My son's never owned a subscription to a magazine. And he doesn't have a desire to. And it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And yeah. So what do these guys put up on their walls? I mean, don't, don't, they don't have surf, mag, don't have surf photos no, on the wall? No, there's – you know what? If you went into my son's room right now, there's a picture of Mark Richards. Uh-huh. There's a picture of Bob Marley. And <laughs> – that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> How about Mark? Let's talk about Mark Richards. Yeah. God, I love Mark. I'm wearing an MR shirt, by the way. Yes. This shirt right here, I'm, I've become friends with Mark. When I was a kid, like in high school, he was my hero. Yeah. And, I, and he was one of the last heroes I met. I met him like like late 90s maybe, and I met him, and we just become friends. And Eddie Vedder's friends with him too. Right. So we're both me – and, me and Eddie, it's, it's pretty – it's a tie. Who's the biggest MR friend, Eddie or me? So I'm always bringing Mark. It's probably up. a tie between you and MR about who's the biggest Eddie fan because I know yeah. MR is a huge Pearl Jam guy. Yeah. So I was in Australia, and so Mark brings me this shirt at Kira. It's this beautiful MR shirt, right? So he hands me the shirt, and I'm like, Mark, thank you. He's like, I know you like the shirts. He always gives me stickers because yeah. Ed likes it. So I have all I have MR stickers over all my stuff. Anyway, right. so then. I go, what am I going to give him back? So I remember at Ohana, Eddie Vedder gave me some Eddie Vedder Ohana stickers that are like from him. Yeah. So I had them with me. So I put it in plastic and I gave it to Mark the next day. He's all, he's all, oh, I definitely got the better deal on this trade. He's like, I'm going to put this on my book. I know exactly where I'm going to put this. And he, he was like, he could, he was so excited about a damn sticker. And so that's the cool thing when you have friends who are, who are, you have artists, you share it. Like the same thing with Eddie. I, I, I bring him things. They give me things. It's the little things in life with friends, the little gifts that mean yeah. things that are just so special in life. You know, I just, I don't know. Well, that's, you, you get, you, and you've, you've had this really neat relationship or I guess you've been able to jump cultures you know like you have gone and shot you've had backstage access to probably you, you tell me eddie vetter for sure mm-hmm. um i know lucas nelson probably willie nelson uh-huh, yes. probably jack johnson so talk a little yeah. bit about your ability to jump cultures and to be sort of backstage and have access to these great musicians <clears throat> it's the same thing as what i do with it with the server it's photojournalism and it's but how it, do you get it like getting it is that's a t- kelly has kelly helped you kind of yeah that? well Kelly introduced me to Eddie yeah. in 2006 backstage in San Diego. Yeah. And he introduced me to Eddie and he goes, oh, I know Sherm. I know what you do. And he, he shook my hand and, and I said, oh, Eddie, cool. Goes, I'm from, I'm from Encinitas. You went to San Diego. He's like, no way. So we connected right off that. So, and from that moment on, I was a made man. 
yeah. Eddie was my friend and he let me shoot him. So it's, if you're introduced that way, yeah. um, I met Jack, the North Shore, people like that. And I met Lucas Nelson through Sanook and I went to Hawaii and, and me and Lucas became friends. And then, so I, sh- I played some music with him and then he introduced me to his dad. So it's kind of, you parlay it into that. Did you get to shoot Neil Young with Lucas Nelson's band? Did, I shot a ton of them. Is he um, salty? He seems like he could be a tough backstage figure. Well, I didn't shoot him backstage, but I shot a lot of them live. And I got special permission from the Neil Young camp to shoot with Promise of the Real. So I had a, which <laughs> his son came up to me as all. Listen, sure, we're, we're gonna get, we're gonna give you access for these these three songs in the middle of the set with the boys. He goes, just don't let my dad see you shooting photos, please. You mean Willie? Yeah, no, no, no Neil, Neil Young. Young son. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he doesn't want someone up front of right, the camera. Right, right, and I go, right, yeah. I'm, I go, I'm the man for the job. So I shot off the really? side, but um, and I'm a huge Neil Young fan. Like yeah. I'd, I'd never seen him until he play, started playing with Lucas and the boys. Yeah. So I'm backstage at uh in L.A. And Neil comes walking by with his with his manager, and me and Ron Johnson were sitting there, and, <laughs> and he walks by, and I I wanted to say something so bad, but I'm all, don't say a word. I just walked by, and I was just like, I didn't know if I blew it or if it was the right thing to do, because but here's the funny thing. Now, I, I was getting Neil Young and the boys Brixton gear, right, and I got Neil this flannel that he wore for a three years, right. his favorite flannel. So Anthony. His drum, the drummer for Promise of the Real, Sherm, Neil lost his flannel. Bro, <laughs> dude, can you help me out? I'm like, okay, okay. So he sent me a photo of this flannel. So we found the flannel up at the Brixton place, and we sent it FedEx to him, and Neil got the flannel, and he saw God. That's so cool. And I said, so you got to let Neil know Sherm got this for him, right, from Brixton. He's like, oh, Promise. I go, and the next time you play – Sherm's going to get to meet Neil, right? He's a, I guarantee it. I'm all, yeah. I mean, that, that's how you get in with these people yeah. like that. You know, but anyway, that's what there's like. So couple, the next time he plays is when, when do you get this? I don't know. They're, I, I got to find the next time they're close by. And so they played yeah. a couple of, but now, now that I have my little gold card. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's one, but Neil's one of the guys of like my favorite artist. Another person I really want to meet someday is Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. 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 And my friend, Danny Clinch, he's a photographer. Uh-huh. He shoots him all the time. So uh-huh. I'm hoping I get to meet, meet Bruce Springsteen. I'm a big Springsteen yeah. fan too. Yeah, so, yeah. but those are the guys on my list. Yeah. And if you see Neil Young, I mean, I, I can't imagine. I would just be such a fanboy. I probably couldn't spit out a question or a word or a phrase or anything. Yeah, I, I just tell him, hey, you know what? Hey, I'm a, a big fan. I love your music. Your music's meant a lot to me. And he's going to thank you. you, know, that's, that's what you and you see it when you say it to an artist. They usually go, hey, if it's simple and heartfelt, yeah. people love it. It, 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 it seems see, kind of generic, though. It seems like. Well, I, I'll probably come with a little better than Here's, that. I got one for you. This is what uh, I want you okay, to okay, just okay. think about. The okay, chew okay, on, okay, okay. I'm, 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 get my notepad out. Just, here. just okay. Go, Neil, I, my friend really wants to know what is Powderfinger really about? <laughs> God, I love that song. Yeah, is it, is it like. 1776 or is it 1856? Like I can't figure out the time frame. Yeah. Look out, Mama! There's a white boat coming up the river. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out when exactly because uh, I think that's probably the greatest song ever. It is. I've said that. I've no, said that. No, that is the I think greatest it's one song. Of the, ever. I totally agree. Love that song. And well, my favorite song is the one that, and we saw them in up in L.A. at the Forum. And the second song they did a 45 minute version of, of uh, Cortez, the Killer. Oh, so insane! So and good. and and Neil went off guitar solo, yes. and then Lucas went off. Right. And 
I look over at RJ and I go, I'm seeing God right now. That's it, it was really that good. And, um, and you're close. You're right there. I was right, right there shooting and I just went, it was just amazing. And uh, I just can't believe my friends are Neil Young's band. That's and, and Anthony, the drummer, he's one of my good friends. He's like his encyclopedia. Neil goes to Anthony, he goes, can you know that song from 73? And, and he'll, he'll tell him kind of about the song. He uses Anthony as his like his main music base for these songs. You oh, know? cool. Yeah, but those guys, they're playing with them again. They stopped playing with them for a little while. Now, yeah. now they played some gigs over the summer, so I'm hoping to see them again. I've watched some videos of those guys with Neil, and it, you can really tell that, that they're like standing in the background just looking for Neil to tell him what to do. You know what I mean? Which I get. They're just like, dude, just show us the way. We're not going to step on you no. here, you know? Yeah, don't fuck with Uncle Neil. Yeah, exactly. They call him Uncle Neil. And, and He looks like he could really be salty, like he could just snap on you. I, I hear yeah, he has his moments for sure. That's why I didn't want to say anything backstage. Yeah. I, you know, I wanted to say, hey, thanks for San Diego. I love – thank you. You, know, you want to say that, but then you're like, no, I'm just going to say it here. Yeah, that was probably But, but now, when I, now when I see him, though, he'll, he'll probably he'll be stoked on the flannels. Like his girlfriend um, – is, is it the yeah, – uh, Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I got her clothes too. So they both know that I'm kind of been responsible for getting that. Oh, so, so they'll probably – you know. You need to get some more of those flannels and just ship them to them right now, just as backups. Like that would seal the deal. Yeah, we yeah we actually we sent we sent them like three, and we oh, fed okay. we he's fed extra them right, to, we fed extra somewhere in the Midwest, which I thought was so rock and roll. And the Anthony gets the text off. The Eagles landed. Neil has it. You know, <laughs> I went. I went. Thank God. That is so cool. Well, look, um, most of us are excited about this Wave Ranch event that's coming up in September. Um, have you ever surfed this wave? <laughs> no there's some naysayers some haters if you will um that point to the founders cup that happened there and they suggest that although the wave's incredible to surf it's too perfect for professional surfing that we actually need a little bit of unpredictability any thoughts on that i do have thoughts on that um the thing about the pool is what became very apparent was that the founders is that Everyone can get barreled. Some some get barreled deeper than other, but when that section comes, how are you going to get creative? Philippe Toledo, Jordy Smith, they got creative, and it's going to be those guys. I I just think that um, Philippe Toledo, he's a he's a shoeing, he's a lock. He has his destiny might be this world title coming up. I think he's looking a good shot at it because of. Chopu might go down and not be small. Well, that's going to be good for him. I know, but so, that's why I cringe a little bit because will his world title have an asterisk next to it? No, it's, if he, yeah, it's not going to. I mean, if he, if he wins Chopu and then I don't see that. I mean, but the kid's charging. You saw him. You saw him get well, scraped. Some have suggested there was one wave put out there. He didn't make it and he got beat up. And is that really enough to suggest that that's truly charging no. Chopu? I don't know what you, you get on the ledge and you go, you make it or you don't. I mean, I don't know the kid. He's, I give him credit for for showing up early and practicing. Exactly, sure. he's got a good heart. And I'm not. I think yeah. he's a great human. I, I I think he's a great surfer. I, I was oh, a, for sure. No, for sure. But I'll tell I, some have suggested that he has. I mean, it's proven that. I mean, he got zero at Chopu one time against Idola Ferrari two years ago. He got a zero, and yeah. it wasn't even that big. It was just low tide, and he's never really been a pipe surfer. No, we right. know he's brilliant. I mean, he is. All he needs to do is cement his big ledgy kind of pipeline chopu efforts. And, and I think he needs to put the work in to do that. Yeah, but I, I'll tell you. What, so if he got a title, Steve, is there an asterisk next to it until he's 
to Kong, Kong worthy is what I like yeah, to say. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's that could be valid. But I'll tell you, after I, I, I watched him at uh, J Bay personally two years ago, incredible, incredible. I mean, he raised his game, and it was on the level of Andy Kelly, Sean Thompson of performance breaking level. So. He did it there, so he's he's got the carve game now. He he two brides really really well. Totally. He has the air game. Who's so all you know? He could he has the skills to be a pipe guy, or to be a chopu guy, and not that must mean might be the time. Maybe to put the time in. I don't know. I, but how old do you think he is, Philippe? I think Philippe's twenty five. He's twenty three years old. Yeah. Which suggests that he still has time to put God, in. God, he's the, such a young buck. I know. That is young, right? He yeah. seems like 25 or 28. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think the world – I think he's a, he's a really nice guy, by the way. For sure. No, he's like – I'm not doubting anyone. No, no, no. no. Oh, I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, uh, the, yeah. the, everyone yeah. listening to us, let you know that all those Brazilians, when they're on land, are the most polite young men you could imagine – there are they're just good people. Now I've surfed with a lot of them, and I'm not saying they're the best to surf with. Yeah. But um, but aren't you supposed to be polite when you're on land? Like, are we supposed to applaud that? No, I, I just I, I think people might think they're at, that just because they, they act that way in the water, they might act that way on land. Right. That, that's why I'm just saying that. Yeah. Um, um, and some of them are nice in their nice water. You know, like it's hard to surf and with Gabriel because he just takes all the waves. He sits underneath you and takes every wave. Um, but that's just Brazilians in, in no. general. And I'm not. That's not a bad. Not, but that's just the way they're raised in a radical surf culture where it's kill or be killed and to get what you want. And so I'm not judging them, but it's just yeah. sometimes you know it's a but, different culture. And people, but they get a bad rap. Yes. Adriano de Souza, nicest guy. But he, but sometimes in the water, he made some crazy decisions. Like with Kelly at one time, you know, one time when Kelly was winning his 11th title in Puerto Rico, Adriano paddled around Kelly. And did this really kind of shitty, like, aggro move. And yeah. Kelly right in the riot act. Adriano went in. And he walked five miles back home just because he said he had to because he didn't deserve a ride. <laughs> he was walking down the road with his board for five miles because right. he felt so bad. Yeah. But anyway, that's – I've always liked Adriano from – to me, he's like the ultimate blue-collar guy. Like, he, he actually did go put in the time. And, yeah, yeah his style's true. hideous. You don't want your kid to surf like him. But – his world championship run, I think, is worthy just because he, he carried the lunch pail every day to work, you know? Sure did, and he stepped up. And a back door, man, the kid, he was getting barrels, and that was a tough one. I mean, he won that. I was, that was yeah. crazy. What about the idea that if we have a wave pool event that's going to help decide the world title, then shouldn't we also have a big wave tour event that, that's put into the schedule. So if there is a Lemoore event, there should also be a Puerto event or a Jaws or a Mavericks to, to, to create a more well-rounded world champion. That's a good point. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think I wouldn't be against that. Puerto would be an interesting one. It's just like a pipe event, you know. But a bigger, you know, bigger, you know. But it'd be interesting to see how, see the guys ride seven sixes and, and heats. Yeah. But, so you know. I just think back to Kong, you know. I just think back to – I just feel like <laughs> – Where's our Kong? World, God our, damn. <laughs> where, where's our Kong? I love well, I Kong. Our, our world titles, our champions should be a guy that we know can paddle out of Jaws like John John Florence can and, and dominate. I, to me, you know, I'm not that obsessed with that. No. I, I, I think our world champion should be the guy that went to all, all those events and did the best. Right. 
I mean, I, I don't. What see- if all those events end up being at pools? Yeah, are you still okay with that? That's not going to happen. Right. That's not going to happen. But I think I think pools are valid. Uh, and even you know, it's a little more. I, I watched it and I saw it how it went down. And still, the guys who won that did the best were the ones who got creative in the lip. Yeah. And that pool. And I'll tell you that the waves on the right. It's kind of the same on that left. That left changes a lot with the wind blowing into it. There's ramp sections. It crumbles. That wave is not perfect every time. So that's not really valid to say, oh, it's too perfect. No, it's not. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, though, when we get up there for the for the you know, Are CT. you going up there? Um, I'll know soon. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, so, I'm, I, I'm kind of by the seat of my pants sometimes, but yeah. I, I'm planning on going. Um, although I, I don't want to have to be sitting my third time up there without, without getting a wave. Right. That's tough. I, I, every, there's not a day I surf at seaside. Sherm, so you been in the wave pool? I'm like, yeah. No. So you got a wave yet? I'm like, no. <laughs> and then there's this, they all say the same thing. Oh my God. I can't believe Kelly has not gotten you on a wave and you're his friend. Uh, and I go, well, it's not that easy. I, I explain yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's a close thing, but, um, I think I'll, I'll get one. I'm about to tell you something Listen, that you're not going to like. Okay, Bassy, go ahead. Tell me when you're going up. I've already been I, oh, I've surfed it. Tell me something I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. It's yeah, not yeah, about me. I know, but see, what, you have a rich friend or what? Was you, no, you? I got called up with the WSL, invited some media types, and I just I was surprised, and I went. Here's what I will tell you. <laughs> I'm not rubbing salt in the wound. Just the other day at the Waterman's Ball, Kelly was saying, dude, it's hard for me to get a wave up there. The, the time slots are filled. <laughs> Steve's making a, a, a graphic of I, his hand. I, hey, you know, I get it, and I do understand that. But um, let me ask you this: Did you get to see the Rolling Stones at the Belly Up? No, I was uh, in Japan when that happened. Uh, I thought maybe you got lucky enough to do that. I, I might have been able to see that. One. It was tough. I, I really would have liked that Goldie was there. And then Jake, our and, friend Jake, wasn't he there? Like yeah, Jake was there. Yeah, but they, all the stones saw my photos in the uh, in the back room, uh, the, the back room, the belly up backstage oh, cool. room, and upstairs. Yeah. So this, so Keith Keith and the boys were looking at all my art all over the belly up. So I was kind of there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were definitely there in spirit. Yeah, I was there in spirit. What is it that you dread the most about being a photojournalist? Um, the worst thing is shooting moments that are are uncomfortable, that you might upset someone when you're shooting it, yeah, and you might make them mad, yeah. or they might be angry. Yeah, um, I think that's something that um, I'm afraid of. That I'm kind of afraid of getting in the way of the web cameras now. A little bit because I just I don't I don't want to hurt other people's feelings. Yeah, or make yeah. them angry. I'm, my problem is as as a well, my, not not problems. I'm just super sensitive. Yeah, and people might not see that, yeah. but I'm really sensitive. So um, if I upset someone or I make someone angry, yeah. it really tends to hit me hard. Yeah, and it takes me a while to bounce back and, and come and, and deal with stuff like that. But um, yeah, being afraid of stuff like that, it's like. Those are the kind of things right now that are on my mind. For sure, like that thing right there. Like, yeah. But just bumming people out or, ma- or making people sad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've talked about a lot. We've said it all. We've said it all, Steve Sherman. Well, the one thing we didn't talk about, though, is your Captain Finn collab. Got- You've got a collab with Captain Finn Company. Yeah. It's, um, I did a five-fin setup with my photos on it. 
That's pretty cool. I ride five fins in small ways. Yeah. And then I did a big fin of the, with the Eddie Vedder fin. Yeah. I showed Eddie the, the mock-up, and he said, go for it. So I have an Eddie Vedder fin of him jumping in San Diego. That's pretty cool. And then there's another one with a, with a soldier in Bali. So I did that with, with Mitch at Captain Finn. What's and, the five fin setup? What's the graphic on the five fin? Um, it's like oh, it's just all these old like black and white photographs, like uh-huh. art stuff, you know. Uh-huh. But it also had they're kind of camo green with red stars on it. Cause, oh, okay, because it's kind of clash looking, right? And um, as I said, I'm pretty stoked with that because I, I like I like writing f- five fins on my small weight boards. Yeah, yeah. And did that, and uh, the one one quick thing I just wanted to talk about real yeah. quick. Um, I was watching Eddie Vedder up in North. And he was. He had his daughter's um, teachers on stage. Oh, yes. And, and, he, and Eddie said to the crowd, he goes, how many people out here have had someone, a teacher, affect their lives greatly? And everyone raises their hand. And it was really deep. He was doing this all for teachers. And it made me think. And um, I, had a, I went to Torrey Pines High School like you did. And I had a first ninth grade English teacher named Andy Newcomer. And then she, she was our photo. She was the school paper, Falconer. Right. Teacher. Right. So I, I did the Falconer for three years as a photojournalist. Right. And every we do at the end of the month we have our deadlines. And I'd go out and I would shoot portraits of teachers, and and I did assignments. And one time when the hostages came back from Iran, I went and shot him coming back to his house in, in East in, in San Diego. And I, so I'm thinking, I'm, I'm waiting for him to show up. And I walk up on this hill with my telephoto to try to get a better shot. Well, the Secret Service grabbed me. And, and they pulled me aside. Who are you? Because they're waiting for someone to take out, you know, yeah. this guy. So I went back and told her this. And she just thought that was the raddest thing. She's like, you were willing to go do that. And I still to this day. But so it's funny how one teacher can influence something, you know, you do in your life. And I wouldn't be doing what I do right now without Andy Newcomer and her letting me have the dark room. There was a dark room there. So I was doing dark room work and right. waiting to the last minute. And it, it's something Eddie said that really brought home. I was really emotional about it. I go, that's yeah. really cool. But um, so I tell kids, you know, it's those special teachers, man, that can really affect your life for the rest of your life. Yeah. So. And tell me about Andy Newcomer. Is she around? What do you know about her? She passed I mean, away. Is no, she still I, with I think us? she's still around. I tried to consider hunting her down and I, sending I, her a picture or a t-shirt. I, or- <laughs> I tried. Actually, I, I was looking on Facebook uh, actually this morning for her. I wanted to see to see if she's still around. Um, she, yeah, it was just cool. What if somebody like Skip Harry or one of those guys knows yeah. how to get a hold of her or something. Yeah, if someone does, please let me know. But it was a- Andy Newcomer, and yeah. she, as I said, um, she was a sweetheart. And I, I talked to her about. I think it was like 10 years after I graduated, 15, I was just starting to work in the thing. And I was telling her what I was doing, and she was pretty stoked. But yeah, yeah. I think she'd be really happy to know what I'm doing now. And she knew that that was the basis of what yeah. I do now, you know, yeah. photojournalism. Yeah. It's crazy. I take a photojournalism class in ninth grade, and next thing you know, you know. Teachers I'm, are important. Teachers are important in the relationships that they build that they sometimes don't realize. They don't realize. They have a huge yeah. effect on people. Yeah. And like Eddie had this teacher, drama teacher that was in San Diego. Eddie went to San Diego and he changed his life, he said. Yeah. And so um, that's what he was bringing up. So I just wanted, to, cool. I wanted to share that for the ending. That, that was my thought of the day. Good stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, Steve Sherman, how can we get a hold of you? What is your uh, Instagram account and all that? Um, at T-Sherms. Yeah. Plural. And um, also at T-Sherms Portrait Co., that's where all my um, family portrait stuff's on there. And, yeah, and you, you give me a message on that. And um, I sell prints, and I, I sell a lot of art prints, through, like through that kind of stuff. People get a hold of me. 
Uh, all my work's up at the Pizza Ports all over Southern California, on San Diego. You can yeah. see all my work there. And, um, yeah, and you can see my stuff on the WSL, on all you know, their, their website. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing you in front of the camera <laughs> at the next WSL event. Hopefully not the back of my head. Dude, many times we've sat right at this table, been eating and watching an event, and all of us are like, they're sure. Yeah. I'm sure you get that a lot. I get that, I get that a lot. I get recognized a lot in airports. Oh, cool. That's cool. <laughs> it's crazy. My kids, they, every time they do it, they raise their eyes. They're all great. <laughs> Rock and roll again. Here we go, Dad. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for your time. Um, thanks. Um, thanks. Um, um, until the next time, adios and aloha.